Welcome to Beyond the Sales Floor. I'm your host, Morgan J. Ingram. And what we're going to be doing is unveiling and unpacking sales playbooks from enterprise sales leaders. On this episode, I get to chop it up with Kyle AC. Y'all, make sure you say his last name right because he doesn't like that. So anyways, uh, we were talking about how he is very systematic on the way he approaches outbound and collaborates with his team. Uh, he hit his H1 number at 103% in this year which is obviously very difficult to do and he talks about how he collaborates with his team marketing ops to get the right information so he's strategic in the approach on how he goes about his outbound and to make sure the forecasting is good based on the questions that they ask once they schedule the meeting so look you don't want to miss on this episode kyle's a wealth of knowledge good person let's dive in all right buddy welcome back to another episode of beyond the sales floor uh i have i have a great guest today uh, and we're chopping it up on all things sales, all things leadership. Kyle AC, we learned how to say his last name. If somebody else saying his last name wrong, you, you feel you should feel terrible because you know we got to respect this man's name. So, Kyle, tell us a little bit more about yourself, and then we'll dive into the interview. Thanks, Morgan. Uh, yeah, been with MongoDB for a little over a year. Prior to Mongo, was at Qualtrics for several years. Uh, most of my career I've spent running uh, mid-market to lower enterprise sales teams. Uh, right now, my entire focus is around new customer acquisition, which is a lot of fun in a terrible market when you're focused exclusively mm. on new logos. <laughs> and then um, when I'm not doing Mongo stuff, building out sales introverts and got a, got a little wife, a little family, wife and three kids. So busy. Awesome. Um, what, do you, what is your favorite thing? about your kids? Well, right now, our youngest, we call him a potato because he's just so <laughs> when he was, when he like was Mr. Potato from Toy Story? He's, That's immediately what I think of. So. Like, he's just the most chill baby ever. But I think what I, what I like about my kids right now is we're at the stage where they still think I'm cool, where they, they want to spend time with me. They want to hang out with me. Yeah. And so it's flattering. They, they flatter me by wanting to hang out with me. And they're just, uh, they bring a lot of joy. I love that. I love that. So let, let's do it. Let's dive into this. What is an experiment you're running right now that you are excited about? Yeah, so we we're an open source company, which is both great and bad. One of the bad things is people can use our product and we don't know they're using our product. Right. And so an experiment I'm running right now is using tools to pull a bunch of unstructured data across social forums trying to find evidence that people are asking questions about their use of Mongo or evaluating Mongo as a way to prioritize accounts and assign territory. Because right now I have about 75,000 accounts in my name that I can go deploy to my team where I think is best suited. And so using signals like that is an experiment to see if I can get even better at assigning territory. Nice, nice. And um you said signals, so how are you gauging that? Is it is it ranked in a certain way or is it just like the signals or the signals? Signals, it can be funding, it can be number of developers they have, it can be hiring for skills that are related to Mongo, mm. uh, it can be mentions on social, it can be questions asked on like YouTube comments. We, okay. have, a, we have a whole variety of signals and we use a different different tool stack to pull each of those. And then our okay. BI team goes in to bring them all together into one place. And we use it for both territory assignments. And then our AEs use it for territory prioritization. 
a lot of the experiments I run are looking at different types of signals and then mm-hmm. trying different weighting of those signals to determine what accounts are most likely to purchase faster so we can improve our, uh, we can go a little bit quicker from a velocity motion. Okay, that so that led into a follow-up question I have is that like, when the signal comes in, is the funding one like, okay, that's an A plus signal every single time. So we need to move on that faster to reach out. But it sounds like each signal is contextualized to the account based on where they're at. Exactly. It's, it's definitely a blend because there's a lot yeah. of them. And right now I couldn't tell you what the perfect blend is. And that's what a lot of the experimentation is. And so when I'm meeting with ops, we're always digging into different filters, different types of signals, mm-hmm. looking at, okay, for this segment of account, how quickly do we win? How many meetings does it take? What's the average deal size? How long does it take for them to consume and actually use the product? And we're continually trying to refine and get more and more specific. So as we go into like next year, maybe it's different than this year on how we set up our AE team for success, right? So it's a, I don't know that we'll ever have, this is the perfect mix. It's constantly evolving. I, I, I love that. I mean, that's part of the game in that you're communicating and collaborating with other departments. It's not just like, oh, well, we're going to experiment by ourselves on the silo, which most people do. You're like, no, we're going to actually get other people to get involved in this. And, and you kind of already touched on this, but could you provide like a top level overview of the AEs and um, what are qualities that help them to sell better, but also prospect better? Yeah. So when I think about the the frameworks that I, I, I teach, I'll, I'll go into just a couple of the main, I guess, the foundation of it, right? Uh, a big piece is going back to territory management. I believe that it's my responsibility to help reps get a chance of success, but then reps need to go a step deeper. They need to own territory management. They can mm-hmm. look at our signals, but they need to go have conversations, go dig deeper to go determine where they should actually spend their time. I think my best reps, they, uh, they don't overly rely on the data that we give them. They use it as a starting signal, then they own the rest. Another thing I'm big on is education. So they always have a point of view. I always want my mm-hmm. reps going into calls. I think I stole this from Chris Orlob or somebody, but have a, have a strong opinion loosely held. I never want to showing up without having a good idea of where we think we can help and showing the buyer that we cared enough to prepare. Uh, I'm huge on emotional selling. I'm really big on understanding the buyer psychology aspect. What are the biases they have against us and how can we proactively overcome those biases so they actually hear what we're saying and trust mm-hmm. us a little bit more than maybe other reps. And then my other big pillar is our, our sales process needs to adapt to where the buyer is. Wong is really good at this. We actually have uh, three different sales motions based yep. on matching the buyer, but I want to even go deeper to that. I, I never want us moving with linearity in a rigid way and losing buyers because we got them at the wrong stage in their awareness. So I'm really big on my reps understanding the sales process well enough to be able to adapt it. So when you, you mentioned something that's pretty interesting, um, at the last order that I was at, we were talking about changing our, not calling them selling stages, they're calling them buying stages. What's your take on that? I think it's brilliant because different. We're, we're see, we've seen all the data of how much of the buying process happens external to sales reps now. Yeah. If you're not going in and first understanding what buyer stage they're at and how they, what their exit criteria is to get to the next mm-hmm. stage, how are you going to help them? 
we talk a lot about sales process stages. What's my exit criteria? Who cares? The only right. criteria that matters is your buyer buying in enough for them to progress in their stages. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. And where do you spend the most time coaching your reps? Out of all the things that you broke down that they struggle with the most. Yeah, it, uh, right now, the majority of my org are ramping reps. We've basically okay. rebuilt the acquisition org this year. And so a lot of it is around understanding the buyer personas, what they care about, what they're worried about, and how we help them. Because if we don't have that underlying foundation, it's really hard to get to that emotional selling aspect, right? It's mm -hmm. more about the generic business outcomes that at a lower level in the org don't resonate as much as the personal wins. And so a big focus for my onboarding curriculum is really mastering personas, how we help them, what they care about, what they're worried about, and how we can emotionally attach Mongo to wins for them. I love that. That's great. And speaking of wins, uh, H1, you hit 103% of the revenue target, uh, which is you know, most, most people aren't saying that nowadays. <laughs> so so the question is, what are three taxes that you were using to get there? Maybe it's something you already mentioned, but I'm super curious. Yeah. Um, the uh, the first thing that I noticed when I when I took over the org was that a uh, the reps didn't, if you wouldn't ask, what does a good day look like? You'd get different answers. And so productivity was low because mm -hmm. people didn't know how they should best spend their time. So the first tactic was establishing and getting buy-in the reps voice this as well. What do we look, what do we look like at our best? And then setting up a framework around measuring those inputs and then getting buy-in for accountability on those metrics. After implementing that, we, uh, we doubled our pipeline coverage quarter over quarter, which obviously played a big role in that attainment. The, the next piece was, under, was, was, uh, was noticing that we were really good at selling the business outcomes. We get on calls with our champions, we could talk about all the things the CFO and CTO would care about, but deals were stalling because we weren't close enough to what the actual champion cared about. So that's when we went through the exercise, okay, let's look at the personas, how are they measured? What does an individual win look like for the people that we're actually talking to? And so that persona training helped us get to a point where we were progressing our deals beyond the, uh, the solution presentation stage much more regularly and increased our win rates. And then the final thing I did was I recognized that I had a phenomenal leadership team. My frontline yeah. leaders, they know Mongo, they're extremely talented, they all have yeah. extremely unique strengths. And so I empowered them to go do things their way where it made sense. I'm very much around the concept of look like here are the outcomes we have to achieve, but I'm very rarely gonna tell you how you have to achieve it. And so by empowering fantastic leaders to do their thing, we, uh, we saw great results when we combined that with the first two things I talked about. And you mentioned that you have fantastic leaders. Like, how are you all communicating on a continuous basis? Is it like bi-weekly syncs? Is it a weekly sync? Like, how do you make sure that everyone's on point and doing what they need to do? We, uh, we align weekly as a group around priorities. Mm -hmm. We make sure that we're all focused on the same big rocks, as it were. And then I also meet with each leader individually weekly to make sure that we're on the same page for how they're progressing their individual reps. And so yeah. doing this, we have an ongoing cadence for what we're doing in a united fashion. 
and then what they're handling more individualized because each of my leaders has a different team makeup and different priorities within their individual group. And then we're also pretty good about just touching base throughout the week, wherever necessary, beyond the standing meetings, right? Like that communication flows pretty freely within the group. That's good. I, I feel like you mentioned earlier, like silos happens a lot in most organizations, but it sounds like the communication is leading to the results that you're getting, which goes into like forecasting. Could you walk me through like, how do you view forecasting? How do you make sure that it's not just reps just saying things to say things? How do you make sure that it's real? So forecasting at Mongo is a whole different thing than a lot of orgs because we're in a consumption-based world. And so we don't often ask customers to commit upfront to a certain spend amount. We tell them what the amount will be if they migrate their application to Mongo, but then it's pay as you go, similar to Snowflake, AWS, GCP. And so for me, when I'm looking at forecasting, it's not when the deal is signed it's when the customer actually begins to develop software on Mongo. And so the yeah. forecast, I have to work closely with my reps, my leaders, and our solution architect team to understand what is their, what is their application development lifecycle look like? When is their next sprint to begin developing? How quickly are they going to migrate the application? What is the amount mm-hmm. of data coming over? Because all of that will tell me how much they're going to spend, which influences right. my forecast. And so getting it forecast right now requires tools to look at what the current spend is, look at the average spend over the past two weeks, but then also being really, really close with the customer, the essays, and the rep to understand what's changing. Because I can have a customer at a 20K run rate today, and then they might be at a 200K run rate next week because right. they begin migrating a big application. And so it's required us to, uh, to really know our business at a much deeper level than my previous job, where it was all based on contract signature. When you're, I've heard, um, shout out to KD, let the rebuke know him. He's, I remember he saying, he said this like, oh, this was like a couple of years ago, he said this and I was like, that is really smart. And I'm surprised a lot of people don't do it. You mentioned that there's certain questions that you're asking to make sure that you understand the forecast and that you're on the same page. Are these questions baked in your CRM? Like they have to get answered. Otherwise, you know, the deal's not going to happen. How do you hold people accountable to ask these questions in the sales cycle? We have, I know I talked about gates in the sales process earlier, right? We do have exit criteria for deal closure. One of those things is a, we call it pre-onboarding, but it's basically a technical validation, including the timing of the application move, the size of the application move and all the technical scoping. So by having that criteria that we actually review before we approve the deal to go through, helps us make sure that the reps have a complete understanding of the deal that then leads to accurate forecasting. So like for all the deals in my pipeline right now, I can I know what they're going to be spending once they migrate fully, and I know what the expected timeline is, but then the challenge is sometimes the timeline changes, and that's where the closeness to the customer matters and the, what was put in the CRM for the pre-onboarding checklist doesn't always hold true. I love that. And so reps are in discovery. They're figuring these out. They're asking these questions. You have these breakdown flows you mentioned. What's the methodology? Med pick, no pick. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? We're, uh, we're based around command of the message. Okay. So we do, use, we do use medic as a qualification framework. Um, 
but then the Mongo sales process is very unique because we have four different motions and then three different routes. And so mm-hmm. when you think about the combinations, there's a lot of ways that we might go run a sales process, but it's really built around the idea of the current state, negative consequences, PBOs, all of that that you learn from command of the message. So when I'm doing a deal review, we'll often discuss medic attributes. We'll, we'll go into like the three whys, which is a common framework for deal qualification mm-hmm. understanding. Uh, but the Mongo sales process itself does not match the sales process of any other org I'm familiar with, but it would look generally familiar to somebody that's familiar with the command of the message and medic frameworks. Got it. Cool. Would you... When you do the medic frameworks, uh, what do you love the most about it? Because I know everyone's like, yo, I'm a Sandler shop. I'm a med pick shop, you know, Miller Hyman. There's a lot out there. But when, what makes you love this? What I, what I appreciate about it is I have never seen a deal that is hurt by a deep understanding of any of these attributes. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I've also never seen a deal where every attribute was perfectly understood and known. The ones that we consistently win are generally pretty well understood. Uh, and I think I also like the consistency it gives. A lot of people are familiar with it, no matter where we hire them from. And so day one, it helps them get in and begin to understand the language that we use for deal reviews and deal coaching. And so I think the consistency there is, is fairly valuable. What I don't like about it is when reps try to use it as a sales process, because it's actually a very sales-centric way to think about a deal, right? It's a... Uh, the, when we're talking to a customer, it, it, we don't just want to go say, hey, what's your decision process? Or what is the most pressing pain? Like we, we want it's not, to, it's not buyer language. And so I think that can be a miss, especially for younger reps, when they treat it external facing as a way to progress a deal rather than an internal way to understand the questions that we're missing to go shore up a deal. Nice. No, I, I like that breakdown. And that kind of leads into just, Overall, everyone's always mentioned this AI, 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 what's going on. So how are you using AI in your own process, sales process? What's going on there? I'm a big believer that there are no shortcuts in effective selling, but there are accelerators. And AI is, I mean, I'm not that long into my career, but by far the biggest accelerant that I've seen. And so I think about when I said earlier, it's really important to me that a, a rep brings a point of view to an account what used to take hours to go do the research to get a good point of view for an account can now be done in a few minutes using AI to pull relevant research and to consolidate it. Uh, When I think about being able to understand what my reps are saying on calls at scale, what's working, what's Mm -hmm. not working, that's accelerated by AI. Uh, And then the other big piece is around territory management, using AI to pick up some of the signals that prior to recent would have been impossible to understand at scale. It's now surfacing interesting things to help me understand where to put resources to help me uh, tackle a large territory with still a relatively small, smaller team, right? right? So I'm looking at AI as a way to accelerate what we know works. It doesn't necessarily change the current process, but it sure allows us to do a whole lot more within that process in a lot shorter of a time, which is a big one. Yeah, like the accelerant of... AI is huge. I agree with that 100%. Like, 
a lot of people will continuously use that to make sure they're not doing a lot of manual tasks or things they shouldn't be doing to increase their active selling time, which then leads into like the lasting piece of information that we're going to have here today as we wrap this up. Like we're going in 2024. Somehow it's November next week. What are like the three core things that a sales leader should be focusing on going in the new year to maybe revamp their sales strategy or think about things differently? So what, uh, what I'm focused on, and I think this should be what a lot of sales leaders in a similar place should be focused on, is, is first off, increased focus. I'm a big believer in constraints, improving creativity and productivity. And so for me, focus around territory segmentation, getting even tighter in what I assign to my reps to work is a huge priority. Working hard mm -hmm. to make sure that different types of reps have the right types of segments to go have success next year. Uh, another big focus for me is now that I have this large cohort of new reps, we're taking them through our ramping curriculum. Now I need to go work with my leadership team to build out more of an ongoing curriculum to ensure they're supported as they go from no idea what's happening at Mongo to having a pretty good idea and helping them prepare for promotions and they're the next shoulders in the company. And then the final piece I'm focused on is understanding which other teams within our ecosystem, I need to go double down on for the partnership. So at Mongo, I've identified one team that I think has massive potential for my org from a lead gen standpoint and also for a, uh, a talent factory for my org. And so after some testing, I'm going to go all in on improving the collaboration there. And so if you're another leader looking at your org, there are probably some departments that you should still be nice with but maybe you shouldn't go spend a bunch of time with. You need to go figure out where is the collaboration going to pay off the most and make sure that most of your efforts are spent with that group so you can see the outsized returns that come from that focus. No, I love that. I think that's a lot of a lot of great information there that people can go take and go execute, especially, again, speaking to departments of, you know, who do we need to double down on to bring in that revenue, bring in the right people, and understand those pieces across the board. So, Kyle, appreciate you taking the time here today to break down what you're doing, how it could be helpful for other people. And hopefully everyone listening in, you took notes and go do something, as I tell you all, all the time. And we'll see you all in the next episode.